the story behind the story in faith culture news and entertainment this is this is billy hallowell hey austin how's it going today hey billy i'm doing well thanks for having me on well thanks for coming on first off i have to say congratulations on the new album wide open it just came out uh, the other day and i'm sure it's crazy right now for you it definitely is man it it blows my mind that it's finally out there i feel like the songs on this record are literally the stories of the last you know three to four years of my life so for people to finally listen and and get to know me in a way uh, through this music, I'm I'm just so excited about it. I love that. And one of the things about Christian music, and and also it happens sometimes in the secular world too, is just getting a chance, like you were saying, to kind of know you. This mm-hmm. ability to sort of pour a story into art, which I I love. I love that. And what's that like, though, making the decision of, okay, here are the stories about myself I want to tell. <laughs> yeah, like, how do you go through that process? You know, I've, I try to write songs that um, every song I write, I feel like I try to make sure that it's a song that I need to hear or through a season that I'm walking through or a season that, you know, like I, I'm struggling to believe or whatever it is. And, and so, you know, for this project, we actually wrote 150 songs. Um, and pick 12 of them. So it's it's wow. it's crazy. There's been a 150? lot. 150 songs, man. And wow. Yeah, and so just to pick 12 of them, um, there's a lot of, of the song. Obviously, it, there's some of those songs became something else or, uh, you know, like parts of those songs became different songs and different seasons of life. And so, you know, whenever you listen to this record, you still get a, a good picture of what the past – three to four years of my life looked like, but um, it definitely was a lot that God put us through and walked us through. And so um, we got to kind of pick those stories, if you would, for the record as well. And uh, yeah, so it's it's cool to kind of go through that process. And, and as I write these songs, it's all about what I'm, I'm living through. Um, and, and you said it best a minute ago, just like making the songs, um, like the stories become these works of art. Uh, and these this musical journey. So I definitely feel like I hear that when I listen to the record and also was very intentional about that, putting the record together uh, of just to be able to tell the story of, of my life and to be able to have songs on there that I still need every day. Well, and I'm I'm kind of stuck on that 150 because it's like, oh, you've got 137 <laughs> or 38, you know, songs that are still right. sitting there. So what happens? Do those songs go away? Do you reapproach them late? I mean, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We so it's uh, some of them. So it's kind of crazy. My first record just came out, but I've already started writing for my second record. Um, and so, you know, I think we've probably written 10 songs or so now for that record. And um, and so a lot some of the songs that didn't make this first record. We're in like the revision stage now uh, for, all right, are they good enough for record two? Can we edit them, make them better? Uh, can they tell a different story for a different season, this next season after this record? And so um, my, my goal is just to make an honest record every time and of where I'm at and not just to have songs that sound good, but songs that I, I believe in, you know? And, and so those songs, if they, if, if they still are like, relevant to my life at, at that moment when we go into the record two process then they may make record two but uh if god is doing new things and or different things with new ideas and new stories then it'll be different songs but um that's kind of the goal for me is like i want to make sure if i'm going to release something 
it's definitely like where I am and the songs that I need and I feel like God is using in my life currently. So yeah, the, a lot of those songs will just sit there. Um, we've had a couple songs. I've, there's a good friend of mine that's making a record. And um, so I, some of these songs that I've, I've written, other artists have heard them as well. Um, and so sometimes the songs get pitched to different artists. And uh, in one case, I wrote a song with a great friend of mine uh, who's doing a solo project, and he really loved the song. It didn't make my record, so he's going to cut it on his record. Um, so yeah, so um, some of, some of that happens for sure. That's awesome. That's awesome. And you, so you have this really interesting backstory. There's you are a minister's kid, which we'll talk about in a minute because I yeah. love talking to pastors' kids. Um, <laughs> I've, I've been a lifelong Christian too. I wasn't a pastor's yeah. kid. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's another dynamic there that's worth sort of chatting right. through. But but the other thing about you that. I really found interesting is you were a worship leader at a church, I think in Florida, right. uh, where were eighty percent, the vast majority of the members were recovering addicts, and I, right. I have to ask you what that was like. Oh man, well, um, we didn't have a haze machine or fog machine, and there was enough cigarette smoke around just to, <laughs> you know, to, to fill the room. Um, no, it it was an incredible process. Uh, me and my wife came from Georgia and kind of the Bible Belt, moved to South Florida and um, into a, a community we had no idea about. And it was messy, man. Like people were messy, people were falling. Um, just, they were desperate for something that could get them clean. Yeah. And, um, and, and so the beauty of it was there was 80% of the church that was in recovery, but it, they were probably the most free people I'd ever met. Um, wow. and I grew up in a church culture where, uh, in this Bible Belt where you know, if Jesus touches you once, that's awesome, but you better not fall again because that'll make you a bad Christian. Um, but, or it's like, don't share the dirty parts because you don't want people to think you're really that bad. Um, but in scripture, Jesus says he came for the sick and the needy, those who need a doctor. Um, and I can tell you these people in Delray Beach, Florida, where we served at, they were willing to say they needed a doctor and they found him. Um, they found Jesus in a way that I honestly probably had not even experienced until we moved down there. Um, just a freedom that comes with confessing your sins to one another, saying, I have a problem and I'm, I need something greater than myself. You know, the first step of the recovery program is admitting you have a problem and admitting that you're not gr good enough to beat it on your own. Yeah. Well, the, the first step of the gospel is admitting that you have a problem and that you need something and someone greater than yourself. And, and so what I realized about the recovery program in Florida was that it's actually the church. The church is the recovery program. Like We are the biggest recover, recovery community there ever has been. We all have to admit that we need help and, um, and to, to get help and find freedom that only comes through Jesus. And so it was messy down there, but it was also the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen people that were willing to find find freedom um, when in the midst of losing everything and it was that's the gospel well and I, it's it's interesting because I think you're in you're 24 right I am so I'm about I'm 10 years older than you so I'm on the upper end of the millennial scale almost aging yeah. out of it you're on like the lower end of it but it's interesting that this generation <clears throat> you know really craves authenticity and right yeah, I think to your point too, this notion of being afraid to sort of say, you know what, I'm broken. I have these areas I need to improve on. I'm struggling with this. I, I think that has been something that's plagued a lot of churches mm -hmm. where people have just right. felt the need to be perfect. And 
if we want to reach young people, I think authenticity is probably key. So it sounds like you experienced a lot of that while you. Oh were. man, I mean, the recovery community can see through fake with like from a mile away. Like, if you're not going to be authentic, don't talk to them. If you're not willing to share your mess, then don't ask them about theirs. Um, and I feel like if, as the church, um, if we're going to reach people in an authentic way, we have to will be willing to take off our mask, right? And yeah. um, and. I grew up in a culture, and we'll talk about it with my story, but um, I grew up in a culture where, like, mess was not welcomed in the church. Um, but it's so the backwards. The Bible's filled with mess, though. I mean, like, right. look, look at the stories. Everyone is – not everyone, but a lot of people are just disasters at certain points, and, right. they, <laughs> and God uses right. them. And, and in huge ways, and that's where he gets the most glory. And so I think we're robbing God's glory when we don't admit the mess that we are um, because – He's using us in despite of us, not because we're good enough. We aren't good enough. He's good enough. Um, and that's what makes grace so amazing is how messed up we are. And so, like, I think in the church, we're robbing God's glory. We're also – we're not connecting to people the way that God wants us to connect to people because we're not – we don't want them to see who we really are. If they, if they only knew us, they wouldn't love us, you know? Like, hmm. but, but that's not the truth, um, and, and I think – Especially today, today and age, people value authenticity over perfection in any way. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, so you were a pastor's kid, and you've just spoken a little bit about you know sort of the environment that you observed as a kid. And I, yeah. know you've, I believe you said you've been hurt by the church in the past too. And so, yeah. I guess just take me through that story of what that was like being a pastor's kid and how right. you uh, really felt impacted by that. Yeah, man. As an eight-year-old kid, um, I remember writing in my journal, I will never be a Christian. Um, and I just I hated the church. I hated Christians, didn't want to be a part of it, wanted to be the furthest thing from it. And and the reason why is this. I, as a minister's kid, our family was the, the family that lo everything looked like we had everything together. Um, it looked like our life was perfect. I remember keeping, even people coming up to us and said, your family's the godliest family we've ever met. Um, but at home, it felt like World War III. Um, the mask came off. Abuse happened. Um, it was fear-based. It wasn't love-based. And um, and I so I, I remember going in my room and writing this journal. If this is what being a Christian looks like, I don't want to be a Christian. Um, I don't. I just couldn't understand why I had to be someone different at church than I was at home. It just didn't make sense to me. Um, and so I remember my parents, my mom filed for a divorce and we were in the small um, church community in a small town. It was a big church in a small town and my dad was on staff at this church. And so when this, this news broke out, uh, the whole town just like tore us out. And um, it was just awful. The accusations were made, stories were made. It was just awful. And I remember the pastor coming to our church of this, the church that we were at at the time. And he said, look, we love you. We're praying for you. We're hurting for you, but you're not welcome back at our church. Like, oh, please just don't come back. Um, it's a black eye for us in our community. And so uh, as a kid, I just, one, I didn't want to be a Christian because I thought it meant being two-faced, basically like being one person for everyone and then being who you really were at home. And then now my church was embarrassed of me. Um, because I was too messy. Like I was a broken kid because my parents had split up. What a horrible um, thing for a kid, you know, like uh, what a, what a horrible thing to have to go through as a kid. Right. Right. I mean, but you know, as a kid, like 
I didn't know who Jesus was. I just knew the broken people that had hurt me. Um, and so, but that's what I thought Jesus was. I thought he hurt people. I thought he judged people. I thought he talked bad about people. I thought he would kick you out when you have messes. Um, and that's what I knew of being a Christian. Um, and so it wasn't until I was in eighth grade, my mom, I got a church job leading at a worship, uh, leading worship at a little small country church. And she sent me to this music camp because I really wanted to learn how to play the guitar. And a guy got up on stage and said, Hey, I want to talk to you about hypocrisy. I want to tell you there's a lot of people who follow Jesus with their lips and they talk a really great game, but they never follow Jesus with their life. That is not what being a Christian is. Um, being a Christian is giving your entire life to Jesus. It's looking like Jesus because you're spending time with Jesus. And he said, you've been hurt by broken people. Broken people hurt broken people, but Jesus died to heal broken people. Um, and so that's the day I realized that I needed healing. I was hurting bad, man. Um, and I'd never heard about the healing grace of Jesus. Um, I just heard about the judgment from everyone else that told me that I wasn't good enough for him. So that was a turning and, point for you. Absolutely. It's the day I gave my life to Jesus and um, realized that I was saved by the scars, by his scars. I wasn't defined by mine. Um, and it changed everything for me. And so um, that's the day I realized I wanted to write music for broken people um, because I was one of those people that had just experienced Jesus for the very first time. And I wanted to write music about it. And so that's the day I decided to be a Christian artist. And here, and here you are now. You've You've got a lot uh, to balance here. And first of all, thank you for sharing all that, because I yeah. think there's a lot of people out there who are curious. They want to go to church. Maybe they want to know who Jesus right. is, but they're seeing the hypocrisy. They're confused by people being different in church and different outside from that. And so you sharing that story, I think, is really powerful for people who are maybe struggling with that, and even people in the church who are struggling with that. Uh, right. but, but where I was going with this is, you know, you've got a lot going on now. You you made that decision to go into music. You've got your album. Now you're married and you also have, you have two kids, right? You have one adopted right. child and one biological child. And they were, they really were born and came into your life at almost the same time. So, <laughs> right, so can you right. explain to me how this happened? Yeah. Me and my wife were moving to Delray Beach, Florida the night before we moved my mother-in-law showed up at our house, and our, you know, our U-Haul is packed, and she knocked on the door holding this little four-month-old baby boy, and uh, that's the very first time I had ever met this little guy, and in an instant, I just wanted to be his daddy more than anything. Um, I couldn't explain it, but, but it just God spoke to our hearts, me and my wife's heart, and I just felt like I would die for this little boy, and I just met him, um, and so it, it was crazy, but uh, it's kind of the uh, the big reason I wrote this song called Wide Open on my record, and it kind of explains how we decided to live our life from that moment on, was uh, we had a year-and-a-half plan, or wait, sorry, we had a five-year plan to start having a kid, and a year-and-a-half in, we meet this little boy, and we feel like we're his parents. And so um, we had two options, either run the other way or say, God, my hands are wide open. No idea how you're going to do this. I feel like a baby myself, and you're still going to gonna call me a dad? Um, and so we just decided to jump in. Um, and it's been amazing. So we fought for him for about a year and a half through the foster system. And um, a year and a half later, he came to live with us. And now Coleman James French is now our son. And uh, through that process, God said, I, I see you praying for your son and in and, and Georgia, but I'm just going to give you another one. So uh, my wife got, we, my wife and I, we got pregnant. And I didn't get pregnant. She got pregnant. But <laughs> um, 
so yeah, and so we we got Coleman James, and about two months later, um, my wife gave birth to our natural born son. So. Uh, it it has been a roller coaster of a ride. I was gonna but... say, so life is very quiet and calm Ooh. at your house. Oh, absolutely, no noise. <laughs> it's just peaceful. We read books all the time. No, it's our it is insane at our house, and it is amazing, but it is crazy. Just throw, we love throw an album in the mix, right? Ex- and, yeah, you know, a tour why not? And everything else. I mean, it's why, you know, keep it really calm. Yeah, just real calm. <laughs> nothing going on. You know. Oh well, and and one of the other events in your life that. I felt was really sort of something to chat with you about because I think it happened as you were preparing the music for this album. But your dad um, had a bad accident a few years mm-hmm. ago, and and from what I understand, he was in a coma for about six months. Right, right. What, how, when that happened, how did you process it? What went through your head? What was your journey there? Right. Well, from uh, you know the day I got saved, I knew one of the things that God had spoke to me was that I needed to forgive my dad. Uh, for everything that had happened to me as a kid, and I didn't want to, um, honestly, but but I knew that it was a part of it, and and so um, I started this process of kind of gaining a relationship with him, and so uh, at that point, it was probably the best our relationship it had ever been. He had asked me for forgiveness, um, and, and like we got to a place I never thought I would ever get, and then in a way, it felt like I was kind of gaining my dad back after losing him my whole childhood, and and then I get a phone call at three in the morning. My dad had been in this serious car accident, and he had a, about a five percent chance of living. Um, and that was the very first time I looked up at God and said, "Why, God? Um, like, why would you take my dad? Like, why, after all these years, I'm finally getting him back, and you're going to take him from me?" Um, and in that season, man, um, my dad was dying, and uh, I needed God more than I ever had, and I realized that asking God questions does not make us bad Christians. I, I have a three-year-old boy we just talked about, and he's in the why daddy stage. Uh, you know, <laughs> I have a why three-year-old da- too. I know this. Right, I know this right. And so, like, why daddy does the sun come up? Why does the moon shine? Why do I have boogers in my nose? Like, <laughs> it's everything, everything. And, but, you know, as a dad, I don't kick him and say, don't ask me that. Like, don't, don't you have faith? Don't you know that it just happens? No, that's not what I say. I sit, I, I sit down, and I'm, I'm with him, and I carry him, and I hold him as I try to explain these mysteries of life to him. Um, he does not understand how the sun, how the moon reflects the sun's light, but he knows that I, I'm with him, and I'm trying to explain, and he trusts me, and he knows that I'm not judging him for asking the questions. Um, and so in that moment, I realized my, my relationship with God, I talk all the time about how he's a good, good father, right? And he's perfect in all his ways. But as soon as I don't understand something, um, that's the moment I say, why God? And it doesn't make me a bad Christian. It makes me a kid. Um, and if he's a good father, that means I'm his, I, I'm his kid. And, um, and so I understand through that season of my life that um, God's not scared of our questions. He's not scared of my doubts. He's not scared of me. He wants all of me every season I'm in, and nothing's too crazy for him to handle. Um, and so my dad ended up waking up six months later beyond wow. um, what every doctor said would happen. Uh, they all kind of told us that it was over. His organs were shutting down, and then God did a miracle. Um, and, and within six months, he woke up. Uh, it's just, it was amazing. That's insane. I mean, that's, um, a, you know, you hear these miracle stories 
all the time. And it really makes right. you wonder when somebody tells you to give up hope. We know as Christians, we, we're not supposed to ever give up hope, but right. maybe some of us do give up too soon. And in this case, look at your dad. I mean, it's incredible. Right. right. And, you know, God taught me so much through that season that I'm so grateful for. Uh, it's really in that moment, if you would have said, hey, Austin, you're going to be grateful for this. I would have probably slapped you because it <laughs> it it hurt, you know, and it, it was hard when you're in the middle of it. You know, right. It's terrible. Right. But we do have a God who's near to us and with us. And he doesn't look at our struggles and says, OK, you go through that. I'll be back whenever things are good again. Um, he says, no, I'm uh, my promise is to be with you. I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you, even when you feel um, like I'm hurting you. Um, and he's never really hurting for us. He's working for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That's his promise. And he never changes his promises. Um, and so I learned that even in my question, he's good. Wow. I love that. Well, Austin, thank you so much for taking the time today. I really appreciate you coming on. Everyone listening, make sure you go out and grab Wide Open. Uh, is there a website, place people can go to get more info on you and your career yeah. in the music? Absolutely. You can go to my website, which is this austinfrenchmusic.com. And then obviously on all the social medias, uh, I update, update those pretty often. So you can check all that out there. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Oh, thanks for having me. It's been a blast, Billy. Thanks for listening to the Billy Hallowell Podcast. Visit Billy on Facebook or Twitter at Billy Hallowell for more on faith, culture, entertainment, and plenty more.